writers of the 27 documents that we include in our New Testament. He didn't author them all or even have a part in all of them, but he wrote many of them, as you well know. The only person who wrote more words literally in the New Testament than the Apostle Paul is Luke because his gospel is the most lengthy of the four and his Acts of the Apostles is also very lengthy and when you total them up, Paul comes a close second. Probably one of the most neglected letters of Paul that are included in the New Testament is the letter to Philemon. It's his smallest letter by far and people probably wonder, what is this doing in there? It's a letter to... a a church leader, a man named Philemon, a Colossian church leader, and the church that meets in his house, but it's really kind of about sort of a personal matter because Philemon's slave Onesimus has run away. So that's the issue at hand. Now, at the same time Paul wrote his letter to the church at Colossae, he also wrote this added letter to his friend Philemon, a church leader there. Now what was, and because we're about a runaway slave, what was slavery like in the Roman Empire in the first century? How did it differ, by the way, from slavery on our continent, of which you know, we're, we've read a lot and heard a lot? So let me address those questions. First of all, one scholar, William Vesterman, estimates that in the first century, one-third of people in cities like Colossae would likely have been slaves. So slavery was huge in the Roman Empire, huge. In Paul's day, the slave population was comprised of captured prisoners of war, those convicted of capital crimes, people with large unpaid debts, and freeborn children whose parents could no longer afford to feed them. Now there are three major differences between slavery in the first century Roman Empire and slavery in our national history. The first is that in the first century, slavery was not race-based as it was on our continent. As slaves in Paul's day came from virtually every nationality. Second difference is that slaves in the Roman Empire were sometimes well-educated and held very responsible and important jobs, as well as sometimes more menial ones as well. And a third important difference is that while slaves were rarely freed on our continent, in first century Roman Empire, most at least domestic slaves were freed no later than their 30th birthday. So, if you live that long, you achieved your freedom. Now in both contexts, slaves were not viewed as human beings, but as chattel, as pieces of property, as things. They did not own their own time, their own labor, their own children. They could not legally marry. And in both contexts, slave owners could punish misbehavior as they chose, since slaves had no legal recourse. Now in Paul's day, what about a runaway slave? Because we think that's the issue that Paul is writing to Philemon about. What about runaway slaves? They could be severely whipped, branded on the face, put in chains, forced to wear an iron collar, have their legs broken, be sold to the mines, or be sentenced to death, including by crucifixion. Now you know that Christians in our country and in Britain have a mixed record about slavery. Christians in both places have been advocates of the abolition of slavery. And sadly, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ 
have also been supporters of slavery as an economic necessity and have quoted the words that I used in our call to worship from Paul's letter to the church at Colossae to support that view. It is important simply to note that the abolition of slavery in the British Empire occurred because of a Christian member of Parliament, William Wilberforce, who made that his single effort through almost half a century in the British Parliament. And in the end, he won. But just days before his death was slavery in the Roman Empire outlawed. And in our national history, President Abraham Lincoln, of course, abolished slavery in theory, but a century later, in the 60s, the civil rights movement obviously taught us, showed us we had a lot more work left to do. And in that whole movement, what group played the central role? It was, friends, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the SCLC of which the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was the principal leader, but there were many. These were a group of African pastors who, and joined by a few of their white colleagues who worked to try to make a more legal or an even playing field for people here, for racial equality. Now, sadly, friends, in both Britain and the United States, we still continue to struggle with racism and, of course, the legacy of slavery. Okay, back to our text. How did it happen that Paul interceded for a slave with his master? It's likely that the slave Onesimus had provoked and then fled from his master Philemon to nearby Ephesus. He was living in Colossae, fled to nearby Ephesus, about 100 miles away, where he asked Paul to intervene to settle their dispute. Onesimus probably already knew Paul personally, or at least knew him by reputation, because Paul was a spiritual mentor to Philemon, his master, whom Philemon loved and respected. It was through the ministry of Paul's associate Epaphras that Philemon had come to faith in Christ himself. Therefore, in the letter, which Nancy's going to read for us in a minute, Paul speaks of Philemon owing me even your own self. So with Philemon owing Paul such a great debt, he would take seriously any request Paul made on Onesimus' behalf. Well, after Onesimus met with Paul, he not only became a Christian, but Paul's personal assistant as Paul was imprisoned in Ephesus. And he was a great help to him. Onesimus eventually asked Paul to intercede with his master, to secure his reconciliation and safe return. Now, Anisimus' name means useful. In his letter to Philemon, Paul comments, Formerly, Onesimus was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. Okay, with all of that background, uh, Nancy's going to read to us the entire letter of Paul to Philemon. And as she reads, I want you to consider this question. This is the central question. What is it that Paul is requesting of his friend Philemon? What is the nature of the request? I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version, which is not the same as what we have in our Pew Bible. 
but you'll be able to follow it. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Appia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your home, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good we may do in Christ, do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though, I'm bold enough to command you to do your duty. Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm appealing to you, my, for you, my child, Anisimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he is wrong, has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I'm writing to you, writing to you knowing that you will even do more than I say. One more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, 
my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Nancy, for that marathon reading. So early in the letter, Paul expresses deep appreciation for Philemon's faith, especially for his love, of which Paul has been a recipient. He is also addressing, as you heard, the congregation that Philemon hosts in his home. Early church had house churches. There were no institutions as we know them today. And Paul does make a request here of Philemon. He says, on the basis of love. He describes Onesimus as his son and reports just how useful Onesimus has become to Paul during his imprisonment. And because Onesimus spent time with Paul and through him became a Christian, Paul writes, perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back. No longer as a slave, but as a beloved brother. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Okay, the $64,000 question. What is Paul requesting of Philemon? He's asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus, his runaway slave, and refrain from punishing him for his absence, but instead to welcome him as a beloved brother, that is a fellow Christian, as Philemon would welcome Paul himself. So Paul is requesting that the slave Onesimus be treated with the same dignity and respect as a free person. There's a further unstated request here in verse 21. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing you will do even more than I say. What is the even more? Paul is requesting as tactfully as he can that receiving Onesimus as a beloved brother and as he would Paul himself means that Philemon should set Onesimus free. That's the request. That's the ask. This is a difficult decision for Philemon. What about his other slaves if he has other slaves? What about others who own slaves as well? He would certainly be setting a bad example, rewarding instead of punishing his runaway slave. That is all true. But I think that is precisely what Paul is asking. What does it mean for us on a corporate level? What challenge is Paul giving ours in every Christian congregation? That we affirm the dignity of all human beings as those created in God's own image. The, the theme of our whole a previous sermon series, that we refuse to accept the lie that some are subhuman and thus can be treated as slaves or second class for reasons of skin color, ethnic or national origin, or socioeconomic status. And we get a personal challenge as well, that within the Christian fellowship that we treat one another with respect, with love and forgiveness as brothers and sisters in Christ, even during times of disagreement. And Presbyterians <laughs> rarely agree, it seems, at least on many issues. So who in our congregation needs your love? Who needs your forgiveness? 
our commitment to making ours a caring church family where all find a warm welcome and all are treated with respect may require us at times to respond to an appeal beyond what is normal or customary. And when such challenges arise, as with Philemon, may Christ give us the grace and the wisdom to say yes. Back to my original question, why was this very short letter of the Apostle Paul included in our New Testament? Well, here's just one fact. In all likelihood, this letter would never have been preserved, let alone included in the New Testament, unless Philemon responded positively to Paul's request that he welcome Onesimus as a brother in Christ and grant him his freedom. And there's a second possible reason as well why this tiny letter is included in the New Testament. In the early 2nd century, about the year 107, Ignatius was the bishop of the church of Antioch in Syria, and a number of his letters have been preserved, including one to the church in Ephesus, the likely city where Onesimus served alongside Paul, and where Paul was imprisoned. And what do you suppose is the name of the bishop of the church of Ephesus in the early 2nd century? His name was Onesimus. Let us pray. Redeeming God, we praise you for Paul's request on Onesimus' behalf, for Philemon's willingness to forgive and free his slave and welcome him as a brother in Christ. Challenge us, O oh God, to work for racial equality globally and domestically and to express our love and forgiveness for one another as we seek to follow Christ, our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen.